Pick up your copy of the new issue of Film Comment, featuring an extensive interview with Kelly Reichardt, along with an essay on her latest, First Cow. Also, an interview with the directors of the fiery genre mashup Baccarat, Michael Kreski on The Perseverance of Cinema, Amy Taubin on Sundance Highlights, and Pietro Marcello on the inspiration behind his Martin Eden. Support independent, nonprofit film journalism today at filmcomment.com. Welcome to the Film Comment Podcast. My name is Nicholas Rapold, and I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Film Comment. For the past week, we've been doing a special daily edition of the podcast, where we talk about what we've been watching at home. It's a new week now, and the world still seems to get a bit scarier every day, so we're going to keep doing this to distract anyone who needs distraction. For this episode, I was joined again by Assistant Editor Devika Girish, and a very special guest, filmmaker and novelist Sandy Tan, director of Shirkers. We were pleased to welcome Sandy for a film comment talk when Shirkers came out, and this time around, we had another terrific time discussing a number of great movies. We started with one agreed-upon title, Leo Carax's Mauvais Song, starring Denis Levant and Juliette Binoche, and ranged on from Zodiac to Fellini's Romo. Let's go now to the conversation. Welcome. My name is Nick Rapold. I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Film Comment, and this is another episode in our at-home edition, uh, reaching you in your likely housebound state, like all of us, uh, trying to make the best of our our days in a, you know, pretty overwhelming moment. Um, So a lot of us are watching movies to take our minds off things. I mean, we'd probably be watching movies anyway. We're just watching more movies. but, um, you know, and we're also keeping each other company a little. Um, this is a very special uh, edition for us, us being just just quickly, if I can introduce my, my colleagues who are, are here, uh, beginning with uh, Clint. Hi, I'm Clint Krut, and I am the digital editor at Film Comment. Uh, and? And Devika Girish, reporting for duty, assistant editor at Film Comment. <laughs> yes, we, we, we maintain strict military discipline, of course. <laughs> And <laughs> in, in all, all we do. Um, but we're really excited today because uh, for this episode, um, because uh, we have a very special guest who I'll let in- introduce herself. I'm Sandy Tan, and I made Shirkers, the film um, from 2018, a long, long, long time ago, it seems now. <laughs> well, it's it's fresh in our memory. And we actually, um, we did a, a film comment talk with, with, with you um, for, the, for the film, I think. Yeah, it's so strange to be talking to you guys because you sound like you're all in the same room, but we're all in isolation isolation chambers of our own. And I, I think I'm the only person on the West Coast, maybe. Oh, and yeah, yeah. Ooh, that's Coast, true. Sounds, yeah, we're all, like you're all in the same room. This is how illusions <laughs> happen. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're definitely safely isolated. Don't worry. <laughs> no, but it's, at... it's great, though, the, the illusion of life. You know, yeah. we, we, we can sound like we're all conversing in the same space sitting across from each other at some table and drinking coffee together breakfast la time lunch your time but it's just <laughs> it's just insane what's happening yeah it, it yeah. really is nick yeah. uh, uh, nick says it so emphatically that we're definitely all in our own homes i'm afraid it comes off like a lie like we promise we promise we're not together <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> can you pass me the donuts oh sorry wait uh. <laughs> 
<laughs> we just got we all got trapped in the office actually yeah they closed the office we're stuck there they told us to get out of there but we just missed the memo so right. we're making yeah. do on the office candy yeah. historic episode right i mean because i think yesterday as of last night californians have been told to stay in um and i guess new york is similarly yeah i think they're calling it uh, they're they're branding it a little bit differently, but um, more or less, I think that New York is on this is going to very soon be at the same level that, or it seems that way, yeah. that, New, that California is. But uh, Sandy, tell us a little bit about how it's been in LA. Yeah. Um. Uh. You know, the funny thing about being a writer, <laughs> as you all know, um, is that our lives. I mean, it's horrible to say, but it it hasn't. The, the, at first, it seemed like, oh, you know, my friends who are writers like me. Are like you know who are working on projects writing in the writing stage we're like oh our lives haven't changed very much because we're just housebound anyway um <laughs> but of course it has changed because it's getting increasingly creepy i live downtown and it's it's completely isolated i mean the only thing that's going on downtown are the construction sites and i from my my window i can see the construction sites still going up and that's thank god for 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 construction sites and all these horrible developments going up because they're the only signs of life you have out here. Oh, wow. Mm. Well, it's great yeah. that they're still building, I guess, too, for a lot of... Uh... Yeah, because it seems like the future might might actually happen. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Who, who knew we'd appreciate the construction noise? It's like, ah, it's like the sound of birds in the morning. <laughs> it is. It is. It's what a strange time. I mean, you know, you're walking along and... Um, I was looking yesterday, looking at pictures by Julius Schulman, um, his famous L.A. portraits of like, you know, buildings in the 50s and mm. 60s and, um, you know, all these like kind of, I don't know, Antonioni-esque um, dystopian landscapes with like where even shopping um, like supermarkets seem like, you know, dystopian, like some atom bomb had hit and there was nobody around. And this is what today um, today's LA in 2020 looks like right now, which is kind of creepy. Are people driving a lot? I mean, um, I guess I see drivers and I see buses that just come around and it's like one passenger. So it's probably mm. a very safe time to be taking the bus right now. Um, and, mm. but no one's really has anywhere to go really. Right. So, right. um, but you know, and then you see the, a lot of the bums, um, downtown walking, I guess. And, Hardly anyone else. I mean, you you have you have some intrepid joggers and and disgruntled dot walkers, um, <laughs> and but basically, I am completely um, just very grateful this for the construction sites. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and 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 are so you're 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 writing something now, or is, is this the? Um, uh, yeah, I'm mm-hmm. I'm um, working on the idiot by Elif Batuman. Um, adapted oh yeah, we uh, we mentioned that in our new section, I think a couple issues ago. So oh, okay. yeah. it's nice that to was get a he- an That was a update. headline. Oh, yeah. cool. I, I'm so out of touch. I, I did not know that. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm working on that. And, you know, like Elif and I continue to exchange um, funny texts and stuff. Um, so yeah, I'm working on that. And um, so that's, that's actually what I've been, I was about to, 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 to launch back into, cause I just finished um, a novel and I just, you know, finished the edits on the novel. So I just got rid of that so I can get back to the script. So it's always been writing. It's, it's, for the last few weeks, I've just been holed in writing. So I hadn't actually Wait, noticed Wait, you finished writing a novel or? Yeah, I finished, um, 
I finished writing it like a, a few a couple months ago, but then I finished the edits on that um, just like last a few days ago, I guess. Oh, what what's oh, it's great. the title and what's what's um, that about? It's 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 called Lurkers. <laughs> Strangely <laughs> enough, it's kind of of um, people being housebound, and it's about um, I guess it'll now seem like a million years ago. Life in the suburbs on this this one street called Santa Claus Lane in. Um, outside of LA I mean just on the, the suburbs of LA and just the intertwined lives of uh you know three different houses of people um interlocking desires and fears and hatreds and uh, how it all comes to head um in in a kind of post 9-11 um 2005 LA suburban life place <laughs> I mean it, it, it is funny I mean it sounds like it's not but it's it's actually funny I'm told. that's great when when yeah. does, do you know when that uh was yeah, that gonna, gonna be, be um, it's supposed to be like spring uh it's a lead title at Soho Press for spring 2021 oh awesome that's a year from now and um yeah everything's like who knows if that's gonna happen anymore yeah. who knows if any I don't know I guess I guess I'm glad books may still exist right because you know we're staying at home and I mean, I'm, I'm, I was due to, to be out um, shooting a, um, some, some TV thing um, actually this week, but it's been pushed back, obviously. And um, oh. so I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm just hoping that the world comes back to life because it's very unnerving to know that your paycheck for the year, uh, the rest of the year may not happen. And it's, it's you know, everyone in, in film is, is grappling with the same thing. So I'm not actually complaining especially, but I'm just saying, wow. Yeah, sure. No, of sure. course. No, it's uh, definitely nerve wracking. But in your in your downtime, you've been getting some movie watching in. Is that is that right? Yeah, um, in my downtime, yes, um, <laughs> yeah, I've been watching movies, and I did the homework you assigned us. And oh, I did. I did watch the oh, movie. No. Well, it, you were talking about like homework. Yeah, you were talking about how LA is so abandoned and how nobody's on the streets and how that just seems like sort of a ghost town, which mm -hmm. leads into the to the uh, to the movie that we were today's talk assignment. About. Yeah, today's assignment, which is Nick, as, right as the as the official pronouncer pronouncer mm -hmm. of French words. <laughs> Mauvais song. Uh, Mauvais song directed by Leo Carax, um, who people might know most recently for Holy Motors. Um, and this uh, star is Juliette Benoche and um, Denis Levant and Michel Piccoli. Um, and for the, for the first and two. And Julie Delpy as, as a. And Julie Delpy. Um, all, all, all of them. Um, Serge Reggiani, isn't it? As well. so. Very true, yeah. All, look, various, all star cast. All star cast. Mm -hmm. um, very young. I guess the first thing I was immediately struck by is just how youthful, uh, I mean, just. They look like they're 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 putti in like a Italian like Renaissance <laughs> painting or something. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, but I think it, they must have been about. It was nineteen eighty six, right? Mm -hmm. So how old was? Yeah, I think Julie Delpy was like you know sixteen. Yeah, something uh, yeah. like that. She she crops up in a in a Godard movie too. That um, which one is it? De Detective, I think. But yeah, anyway. Detective. That was her first role. That was before this when she was like fourteen or something. Yeah. Well, and having so just seen, uh, you know, I talked about the truth a couple podcasts ago, and having just seen Juliet Binoche and that, uh, it was pretty jarring to sort of visit her younger self and recognize, you know, how much she is still the same as an actress, but also mm -hmm. how much uh, many of her sort of tendencies mm -hmm. and gestures have changed and matured. Yeah. 
So who who wants to, uh, Sandy, do you want to kind of, I, I hope, yeah. mm-hmm. do you want to like describe what, what the story is a bit and as much <laughs> as the story makes sense? Yeah, <clears throat> I guess um, um, the title actually doesn't mean bad blood, which actually would have been a great English title as well. Hmm. Um, I am, I don't know if you know this, but I'm a huge Leo's Carrick fan. Um, but this is like one of my not so favorites. Oh, Having said that, it's got like some of the most memorable scenes in it you know like i this is more, probably my only my fourth time watching it i guess les amont dupont neuf I, I you know maybe watched like 20 times in the movie theater when i was in my 20s because i was mm-hmm. obsessed with that film um this and starring the same two leads anyway right mm-hmm. this movie movai sang um is <laughs> about um i don't know it's, it's i guess it's it's there there is this cockamamie plot revolving around <laughs> a virus a sexual sexually transmitted virus this is made in 1986 so it's kind of AIDS virus um that you get if you make love without being in love or something some 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 bogus it's called stbo which i think is like silly terminal bullshit obstacle <laughs> it's like just the bogus thing just so the movie has something crime wise or plot wise for it to to string all these immensely like you know immaculately staged and immaculately shot immaculately acted and danced um set pieces and you just like string puts them on um so denny levant i guess plays um a young boy who's a, 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 a magician of sorts um always like a he's always a strange guy like he he's like he knows amazing card tricks and yeah and you know and he has that he has acting. books yeah like his, his apartment's just like lined with books right I remember. yeah and has glass doors <laughs> and he's named <laughs> and, alex of course alex, and he's named alex name. after the filmmaker i guess and right. and and he's um you know in love with lee's who's julie del p who's like the 16 year old and they write uh, the first time you see him they're in the forest naked and um and then they're smoking of course um and then they they ride a bike um really fast and it's really really cool to see and then you see that he's um he's being and en- and en- he's being um enlisted by these shady characters including michelle piccoli who are you know this bunch of old guys who seem to be always sitting around smoking shirtless um <laughs> and they they want to have them kind of um help them retrieve the vaccine for this bogus virus that's going around or something is am i saying it right like is this correct yeah that seems right and and then, yeah yeah and, but they and but then, there's they have some relationship with his father right his father was like yeah. some sort of master criminal who worked yeah with yeah who, who they were associates off and that he's estranged from but somehow he's um uh you know like like he's to, he has the same skills people. yeah and then and then i guess they're great fighting, hands um, great hands yeah, they're, right. they're um they're also competing to get to the vaccine before this this mysterious woman called the American woman, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, who sits in the back of a limo and it's just like, you know, speaks French with a very American accent and um, that she wants the vaccine too, I guess. And then, so he goes and, and then um, abandons Julie Del P, but not before leaving her his bike and the keys to the bike and the keys. Cause that, they'll come back at the end. Um, and then he, he goes and joins Michelle Piccoli, this kind of oldish guy who's, you know, like I was, I did, I went on IMDb cause was shocked at the, the age difference. Anyway, Michelle Piccoli, um, I guess was 60 ish, um, uh, when he was making this film and then his mistress, who's played by Juliette Binoche, whose name is Anna and like a very Godardian name, I guess. And she's, she is like 20. Um, so it's a 40 year difference. 
and she's like the gangster's mom, but she's like so pure. And she's like the young Juliette Binoche, who is also, I, I guess, Carrick's girlfriend at the, at the time when he was making this film. So, and then, and then of course, Danny Levant, Alex, um, falls for this young, beautiful mistress and, and gets, you know, and then, I don't know, and then, and then antics ensue, uh, many of which are kind of very musical-like because they, you know, there's this great um, use of music in the film and great editing. And it's a lot of them just talking in, in very French New Wave um, little vignettes and Including and that around. that famous scene, that like I think the the most famous scene for, of it is yeah. is hit, uh, Denis Levant kind of running down the the street at at full speed uh, mm-hmm. to uh, David Bowie's Modern uh, Love, Modern Love, yeah, yeah, and it do, yeah. you know doing that he's just physically just kind of a marvel, so he's kind of doing ballet as he's yeah. just I mean, hurtling is, down the road. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's such a great musical. Um, and I'm, mm. I'm, I'm just glad to see that Leo's character is actually doing a full blown musical now, I guess, I guess it's full blown. Um, yeah. because he's always seemed like he's doing kind of musicals in disguise for all his films. I mean, like that amazing sequence in Les Amants du Pont Neuf. I mean, this is all like a, like a rehearsal for, um, that scene on the bridge with the fireworks, you know, blasting behind them and right. over them, and the and Danny Lunt just like dancing uh, across the bridge, and and uh, Juliette Binoche along with him. And uh, yeah, Pola X is basically like an opera in some ways. I think there's just yeah. like it's just the the narrative is second. It becomes like immaterial com- and um, compared to the, like the presentation. Yeah. But, but 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 at least they had um you know kind of something to to hook their story on that was from something else that was kind of compelling um even though crazy that, which yeah. is the, the melville novel pierre yeah 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 i mean it's it's such an amazing movie uh, you know maybe we can i was gonna say we could call ms for short i don't know does that make sense like yeah <laughs> yes. another disease um oh god yeah, it's, 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 it's so funny to be to you know like when i watched this movie i was like oh of course that's that crime plot i like i did not like that's not what I recall of this movie at all. It's just like when you're watching Breathless, you 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 don't really. I mean, I guess most of us. I'm speaking for myself. I don't really remember much of the kind of you know cockamamie um, crime plot that that movie has too, because it's just an excuse for all the fun and you know cool scenes. Right, it's just like scaffolding have. to yeah yeah for yeah. for one set piece after another. So I'm just curious, like, did any of you like remember this vividly? I remember. The scene where he's where he does the actual robbery because it's so short, and I remember the first time I saw it, I was like, "Oh, so that's it!" Like, there's the heist, and the heist lasts mm-hmm. about like, it seems like in my memory, it's like three or four shots. Yeah, and then he's like got the virus, he's got the uh, <laughs> uh, the vaccine, and he's that's it, and it's just sort of like very straight. <laughs> like that part of the plot, I remember just because it was so it stuck out as like almost perfunctory. It's more yeah. about the lasers. Well, yeah, I mean, there's also the, the scenes at the beginning where um, there's like two char- two people unknown to us committing suicide. And I don't know if that's, oh, yes. that's fully explained. You know, it seems as if that mm-hmm. might be related to this illness or the, uh, the drug. And I, I didn't think that that was fully resolved. Um, but of course, the heist aspect and this... Um, I guess two different international corporations or or groups fighting for access to this life-saving vaccine. Definitely 
felt relevant to me watching it right now. Um, hmm, I'm yeah. not, uh, you know, and just kind of, I'm not quite sure, like you say, uh, Sandy, like whether it's anything more than nominal in mm-hmm. the grand scheme of the film. But also I do wonder, I mean, in trying to sort of place it within, you know, what the film is, I I guess, what is this film about? <laughs> that I is mean, something I've, I've been pondering you know, over. The thing is, like, it's a great excuse for, for I mean, to me, like, all these amazing inventive um, things he wanted to do. So I'm hoping that in this in this current moment where we're all locked in and the horrible things happening and horrible restrictions put in our lives, that there'll be people dreaming up the most adventurous skydiving um, sequences. <laughs> like right. there was, there's a skydiving sequence in this film. Uh, you know, there's, there's topless wrestling matches between old men. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then there's like listening to records as well, of course. Um, but like, and there, there's soliloquies and, and about, you know, uh, love and death and dying before you've learned how to live that sort of yeah and bike riding and smoking and silent and like silent film kind of set pieces too where he's kind of walking and doing kind of yeah and we're just marveling at the things that uh Mm -hmm. can do with his body and and his like presence uh I, i guess i was just struck by how from there's all these kind of elaborately designed moments in the film, each of which seems to be just working on its own. And uh, many beautiful lines, of course, many beautiful sort of musings on life, etc. But there's also, I don't know, there's like, uh, the characters will be saying something really profound and then will say something so colloquial or ordinary or almost irreverent. Like even that opening scene when they are, uh, when Denny Levant and Julie Delpy are under the tree, he says something about needing to leave because of his allergies. Right. It's just like a strange thing to say in this like heightened romantic film that actually my allergies are kicking in. So we need That's to great. leave this. I love this, that. I mean, you know? this is what you come to Carrick's for. I love, love, yeah. love all those crazy moments like that. Yeah. And then he writes this uh, beautiful letter to uh, Julie Delpy when he's abandoning her. And it's, it's still not entirely clear to me why exactly he abandons her. He's killed a man. He doesn't love her back. (laughs) I'm not sure. And so it's this beautiful letter about, you know, how she should continue living his life, her life, how she should just leave his memories behind and then use condoms. (laughs) Oh yeah. Use condoms. Yeah. Stay uh, safe. Wash your hands. The, the whole movie is just an elaborate safe safe sex commercial, I think, to be, <laughs> to be honest. Clearly funded by... Uh, um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it really is one of those movies. I mean, it's always specifically, you know, pleasurable with Leo Carax, but he's he's also just still in the mode of a filmmaker who's every film, it's like he's making his last one and he wants yeah. to make sure he can do everything. Yeah, all his indulgences. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. All, all these people, and and just you know, the first ten minutes, you just immediately know you're you're in someone's hands. Who's mm-hmm. just even just the way he will edit shots together, um, and just like the tactile, you know, feel of things, and 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 the quality of the light in the movie is just so yeah. like so like it's like you could touch the light. It's so vivid. I mean, yeah. the colors, the the <clears throat> reds and blues that yeah, are just kind of. And the luminous the faces of those two women, I mean, they're so young and they're so luminous. 
yeah. then. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, Juliette Binoche, it just her face looks like the moon, you know? And mm-hmm. I mean, because it's also a moonlit <laughs> movie, in yeah. a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just, um, I mean, she's just a such a pure source of radiance. Yeah. And I have been, you know, like watching it, I was thinking about all these discussions recently about how, you know, she is an auteur as an actor. Uh, Reverse Shot did that symposium recently about Juliet Binoche. It was called Juliet Binoche Auteur. And, you know, people kind of wrote about how she she makes the films that she's acted in her own. And it's also something I mentioned that I attended this talk with Ethan Hawke about the truth. And that's something he really he said something really interesting. He said, you know, all she's worked with all these great directors. Uh, and he was saying that she's the one actor he's really envious of. Like, she's the actor that he's always wanted to be and how mm-hmm. she has consistently mm-hmm. worked with the greats. And you think, oh, all of these great filmmakers have, you know, used her mm-hmm. and her talent, uh, you know, to elevate their films. But it's actually the other way around. She's gone from one to the next and she's kind of used them. And how she's the primary uh, force, creative force in these films. Hmm. And I was thinking about that a lot while watching this film because it's an early film of hers and she's sort of central, but also, I don't know, mm-hmm. she's kind of, her character's like a weird, not a manic pixie, <laughs> but you know, it's like a weird template of feminine mystique and beauty and innocence. And mm-hmm. there's, you know, she mm-hmm. has that childlike gesture of, um, like uh, blowing air towards her bangs. Uh, You know, something very infantilizing about her depiction. Of course, that's part of, it's like directly addressed in the film when Mm -hmm. uh, she says, you know, she's older than she looks and her fascination with older and younger men. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I don't know, it's, 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 it's a character that I think could come off as really, um, as as like a trope, as like a trope of what a certain kind of woman in these noirish films are, but she just brings so much sincerity to it. You know, at the end of the film, when she's kind of weeping with him and singing along in the car while they're making their escape, they slowly realize that Alex is dying. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I I just couldn't take my eyes off of her, even though I guess Denny Lamont is supposed to be. Uh, the center of our center of attention and attraction in this film. It, this film just seems to revolve around her emotional energies hmm. and yeah. her and her sort of sly and almost unintended seduction. I guess it completely makes sense that because he was, um, you know, wasn't she like his girlfriend at that time? So oh, yeah. it was like such a Valentine to her appeal, I guess. Pick up your copy of the new issue of Film Comment, featuring an extensive interview with Kelly Reichardt, along with an essay on her latest, First Cow. Also, an interview with the directors of the fiery genre mashup Baccarat, Jay Hoberman on Thomas Heise's essay film Heimat is a Space in Time, Michael Kresge on The Perseverance of Cinema, Amy Taubin on Sundance Highlights, and Pietro Marcello on the inspiration behind his Martin Eden. Plus, Spike Lee's trusted costume designer Ruthie Carter, Isabel Huppert in Lulu, George Romero's Lost Film, and much more. Support independent, nonprofit film journalism today at filmcomment.com. But uh, actually, Sandy, I'm curious, you, you mentioned uh, right at the start that this wasn't actually one of your top two <laughs> yeah. characters. What, um, 
I'm yeah. curious, yeah, why why that is, or if you want to talk about one that you like a bit more, I don't know. Oh, yeah, like I um I was obsessed with Les Amants du Pont Neuf, um, mm-hmm. Lovers on the Bridge, that was made in 1991 or 1992, but I think it wasn't released in the U.S. till like 1999 or something, mm-hmm. and you know, notorious film with lots of problems. The same two leads, um, Denis Levant and Juliette Binoche as lovers, uh, who were kind of like, I guess, I don't know how these like homeless people who live on 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 this bridge in vagrants. Paris. Vagabonds. vagrants yeah. yes vagabonds um, more like glamorous the, like vagabonds the yes vagabonds the much better word who <laughs> have like you know great acrobatic and dance skills and are very high spirited uh, though sometimes they cry and and um <laughs> it's, it's 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 again not really plot heavy um i guess there is some kind of crime plot along the way again uh, just like brilliant set pieces, huge high emotions, pure cinema. Um, it's a film that you watch to get inspired. I think I um, I, I had the uh, Metrograph show it in 35, um, like a year and a half ago, and I introduced it. And um, to see this thing in 35, like I hadn't seen it in 20 years because I, when I was in my 20s, I was obsessed with this film. I watched it like 20 times in the movie theater because uh, I would go to it like like church, like every week to just visit the film and it was playing in london when i was living there um uh, a long time and i would just visit this film once or twice a week just to 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 grow with it as i was um kind of recovering from having lost um this film i made called shirkers when i was a teenager uh, having shot this film in singapore and then having it have stolen from me and my friends i would go to see les, les amants du pont neuf uh, at first, like thinking, I'm getting closer. Before I knew it was stolen, I, and having just made the film, I thought I was getting closer to my ideal film, which is that film. And mm-hmm. then, as I was going to see this film, like over the course of several weeks and months, um, and it was clear to me that I would never get my film back, and that I would never be Leo's Garrix. Uh, oh. Like um, many, many viewings later, twenty viewings later, it became like the the most devastating film. It was very heartbreaking because I know I would never be that. Um, so that was that was that's the the significance of Les Avant du Pont Neuf. Besides being a, a great film on its own, um, having some kind of impact on my life. Um, and then Polar X was just again another kind of um, crazy film. I hadn't actually seen that many times, um, but I had um, I think uh, yeah I had the UCLA um, archive film archive play it like a few months ago um, in thirty five because they have a really nice print there mm. by the way, um, and it was just great to see that. You know, like it was shot for um, for for film. Like it was shot in thirty five, like beautifully by Eric Gautier, I think. And um, it was like the you know the the legend of this film, which is really hard to see, I guess. Um, that I the last time I saw it was on VHS, where the scenes are so dark because it has like explicit sex scenes in it. And apparently, like it's so dark you can't see the parts. But I can tell you that. When it's blown up in 35 and 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 projected nicely, you can see everything. Um, <laughs> but um, it's it's also just another kind of you know a more full um, just you know crazy love um, you know scene uh, film which I this this Polar X um, is my second favorite I guess um, it, made in the year 2000 was shown I guess a few times at the New York Film Festival and then promptly kind of vanished from view. Yeah. Um, and then maybe popping up here and there, uh, the Metrograph and places like that. Um, but not, not, not that easy to find, but really, really worth seeking out um, just because it will just inspire you, um, just a jolt to, 
you thinking about images and editing and um, the way I don't know the way you can make movies feel because it's very it's very tactile. There's something about the movie, mm-hmm. and it also has this very occult uh, appeal because, I mean, it's really really sad. But um, the main the two beautiful leads of the film, um, Guillaume Depardieu, uh, Guillaume Depardieu was the son of you know Gerald Depardieu, um, died like in his I guess early thirties after yeah. making the film, and then. The, the female lead, who is also his real life girlfriend at the time, um, I forget her name now, um, and you know Russian Yekaterina Golubeva. Yes. Golubeva, mm-hmm. yeah, and she she also died very young in her thirties. Um, and yeah, speaking of tragic deaths, um, the the DP of of uh, this film, Mauvais Sang, um, Jean Yves Escoffier, uh, also died pretty young. Oh, really. Um, mm. Yeah, like he died uh, at age 52 in the year 2003, just after shooting The Human oh. Stain. Um, yeah, after you know, he shot like three movies for uh, Leo's characters. He shot this, he shot um, Boy Meets Girl, and then he shot um, Les Amants du Pont-Neuf. And um, so then then he died like very young and of a heart attack in L.A. Oh, man. Jeez. Oh. So something, something haunting part of the, yeah. part of the, the body right. of work. Yeah. I'm wondering, Sandy, when you did ultimately make Shirkers, which, Mm -hmm. as we mentioned at the beginning in 2018, eons and eons ago, uh, uh, did you return to Leos Cadex in any way? Or, uh, you know, I I wasn't aware that you had such an intimate relationship with his filmography. And I'm wondering if that uh, played into the, you know, final process of reclaiming that film. Um, I when I was editing um, Shirkers, I watched Les Amants de Pont-Neuf again just to get inspired about um, just the way you know you can do cuts and the way you can. It, it didn't really have any impact on my film. I just was trying to sneak in a sequence, like I just you know since I was sneaking in bits of other films that had some kind of meaning to me when I was a teenager making Shirkers, I thought I wanted to just kind of find a way of of shoehorning. Um, some bits of, of of that in, but it couldn't. It just didn't fit, so I had to just just jettison the idea. Um, you know, I also had like I wanted to. One of my cuts actually contained a scene um, from a, another film, actually that you might be interested in, the Green Room by um, Francois Truffaut, which a uh, little known little scene film by Francois Truffaut. Um, oh yeah, know, have you guys seen it? Yeah, it's like a really. really supremely creepy film yeah i haven't seen it in a while that's that is it exactly the word that sticks with me from that also pretty hard to see too yeah yeah very hard to see but it's uh francois truffaut plays the lead character who's this like kind of slightly um you know very mild-mannered guy who has returned from the war or something and and um this is world war one by the way i think and um and then he has this he's a widower and his wife has died but he has kept this one room in his house for her um, like her things and it's and he goes in once a day to kind of commune with her things and talk to her and it's it's a very very creepy unsettling film and um I had you know I a cut of sugars with with something that refers to my film uh or my experience from that film but in the end I had to judge on that too so man I, I was left with very I had to be uh judicious in my in my in my in my choices and I, I just did not get to pick some of my most um the strangest films I wanted to represent. Yeah, I mean that film. It's just such an interesting idea as well, like preserving this this like reality, this moment in, in time in a way. Um, uh, I don't know. It's it's almost. I, I don't know. It almost seems like it has a parallel with something about the artistic process that you're you're kind of 
working on something and making something and preserving it, but it's still changing as well. I don't know. There's this, it's something between like, it's a dynamic thing, but also there's an end point when it has to be done. I don't know. <laughs> and it has to yeah. be like cold. And yeah, I guess that's also and- you sort of calling your uh, references and all the ghosts of the movies that have lived in um- your mind. Yeah, and it was it was the guy the guy who stole my film, um, George Cardona, who is the you know my mentor. Um, he he actually kept my the 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 sixteen millimeter all seventy rows cans of film that he stole. Um, he kept them in a room in his house, so it was kind of like similar to this <laughs> this the hero that the oh my green god, room. Um, yeah. yeah, and it was very very creepy because he 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 treated the stolen cans of film as if they were a person like. A person in host that he's keeping hostage, a living, breathing person. Right. Um, so that was that was a, a you know, and so when I was thinking about it and and watching the film again, that that had a lot of, uh, you know, like that resonated for yeah. me in that strange way. Um, but yeah. Anyway, so I I another kind of um, another quarantine viewing film, I guess I would suggest for people if they wanted mm-hmm. to be. Um, <laughs> Would be uh, if they if they were um, mesochistic enough is to, <laughs> to 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 find the green room because I think it's it's an interesting film about isolation. The green room, yeah, <laughs> that yeah, that's I mean that that is also just generally if um you when you when you are kind of sh- shut in like this um or, or what what movies um do you kind of return to or, or or I guess you've been watching some things you haven't been seeing too, right? Yeah. Um, I, I've been, I just like these, the films that I was watching the last few nights in the last week were all films I've seen before. Cause I, I wanted to know, I was going to watch something that was good. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's so dispiriting yeah. to be watching things unknown and, um, you know, taking a chance on a, a new movie that you feel obliged to see. Um, uh, mm-hmm. but you may be just bummed and then your night is like just bummed and, and these <laughs> nights you just want comfort food. Yeah. You want, you a return to the this, classics, I think. Yeah, Everyone's, yeah, so, yeah. So I, yeah, so I watched uh, Notorious because I knew that works. And <laughs> why does it work? I mean, it makes you want to not watch films made after 1990-something. <laughs> um, you know, it, it just begins so quickly and it ends so quickly and it's so efficient in storytelling and, and the characters are so complex and, and, you know, would be considered unlikable today, especially the woman, the, the female lead played by um, Ingrid Bergman Mm -hmm, right um you know and and then I was watching after that I was watching East of Eden um Elia Kazan's um film with James Dean uh as as this very strange misfit young boy in in Steinbeck country um Mm -hmm. and I I it's been a while since I've seen that film because I think um I don't think it's available on blu-ray because I I found a a dvd which is kind of smeary uh Mm. but I was happy to found it and um watched it and like James Dean gives such a strange performance as this boy who, you know, on the search for his mother, who doesn't know, and and who's like feels like the unloved younger son, I guess, of this very um, strict father. And um, I guess what would have been, again, was it World War Two or World War One? Um, you know, California, Salinas, and um, mm-hmm. he he just he. It's it's just such an overwrought performance that in those days, 1955, I think, uh, would have seemed just crazy. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, now, now everybody's trying to be like him, but he he just um, he was so. Uh, 
no, like I'm, I'm, I'm speechless. Like <laughs> yeah. he, he runs, he runs like Pee Wee Herman. I mean, it's so <laughs> like he has the funniest run. I mean, I love this movie. I love James Dean. I love, I, I love his performance because it's just so unusual for that time, and so brave. And like he's extracting this little boy, boy, um, lost little boy thing in him. Um, but it's extremely strange because he's almost like in a different film than everyone around him. Although everybody is giving a, a very strange performance. And as is, um, I think, the very young Lois Smith is in a very brief scene, but also registers really well. And I, I'm, it's just such a great film to look at for performance and memorable, like how you can make um, roles that seem like nothing, mm. something. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, that's not really a, a necessary quarantine watch. But I was <laughs> somehow like I was going down that road, and then and then I was going down the road some more in the Bay Area, and and watching two Bay Area films. Um, um, I was watching what was it? Oh yes, I was watching Vertigo. Speaking of another classic that works, mm-hmm. and deeply, deeply, even stranger film <laughs> than um, than um. Than East of Eden. Well, you're the um, second. Lot. You're the second guest to cite that as a comfort yeah. film. Yeah, I think I, I, I guess uh, it's not a, so much a comfort yeah, film. I mean, the first half is, is 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 a comfort film because it's so con- you know like uh, you know smooth, mechanical, mm-hmm. really well oiled, um, you know, kind of uh, gumshoe thing that, mm. that just works in in classic Hitchcock, and then and then it becomes this crazy. James Stewart, like so creepy, so 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 creepy. Um, you know, um, yeah. stalker drama, and 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 it's 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 just such an incredibly strange film that that you know when you remember it, like if you've seen it many 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 times before, um, you probably if you saw it when you're younger, you probably remember it for its smoother elements and it's more you know the pleasurable first half, and you remember less the second half, and and so when you watch it again, like it's always shocking how weird and creepy it is and how um like unhinged James Stewart looks especially with the green neon sign behind him and the crazy look in his eyes and the fact that he's so old and and being so crazy and and talking and actually kind of like appearing and talking a little bit like David Lynch hmm. in several of his That's songs interesting. Um, interesting. yeah I see that yeah he, he has that that look and that 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 hair style <laughs> and um you know circa um like um you know Twin Peaks Fire Walk with Me. I mean David Lynch in that era. Yeah. He's very similar. Um and and then um yeah, so that was that was that. And then and then I had to do a a, a I couldn't just watch Vertigo because you just need to watch that with something else. And so I watched Zodiac. Oh, uh, David Finch's Zodiac, which the, is another Bay Area you mean psycho the, film. The feel good comedy Zodiac? Yeah, classic yeah, yeah. comfort it's, food. Oh my god, it's so comforting. It really is though. Because it's so perfect. I mean, it yes. is so yeah. perfect. Yeah. I mean, I know that people like um Bong, Bong Jun Hu, mm. the director of mm-hmm. Parasite, um, have have cited that as a comfort watch i think he's seen it like 50 times or something and you know the him and fincher have this mutual love society um <laughs> but it's 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 you can see why because it's so precise and i liked the word so, you used well oiled i think that applies yeah 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 and 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 the, you know if you watch it again like the first time you you know you first time you watch it you're just stunned by the level of filmmaking and the the craft and the the very scary atmosphere. I mean, like some of the most tense, like scariest sequences, more scary than any kind of you know horror film I've seen are in this film. And then then when you watch it subsequently, 
you admire it for the script. I mean, the script is just amazing. Like all these characters were obsessed, like almost like in a romantic obsession with mm. the serial killer. Yeah. Um, the guy, like the guys, the newspaper, the you know the from the 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 the, the political cartoonist played by Jake Gyllenhaal to the columnist played by um, Robert Downey Jr. And then you have the cops, uh, and they they, they 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 get introduced at different points in the film, and they have. Um, like different crests and different peaks and, and crests and and and, and um, dips, I guess, in their yeah. in their in their obsession with the serial killer, um, and it happens over what fifteen years or something. And so you watch the, how this this obsession kind of messes with their own lives and and their own heads and their own hearts, and it's just an amazing, amazing. Yeah, story. yeah, and it's and I mean that building that kind of like movie architecture and making it all work is and, and over a span of time like that is always something that's really impressive. And yeah, just the way that they are so all morbidly obsessed and clearly, you know, the the Zodiac killer just represents something more. Um, mm-hmm. It's, I mean, being able to focus on on a serial killer, whether you're a policeman or a journalist or, or whatever. It just seems like it's a way of focusing all your energies on like figuring out what death means in some yeah. ways and, and what something and what a mysterious drive like that means, you know, like a serial killer. Yeah. It's bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was like it's such a great quarantine watch movie, too, because it's so um, like it's so obsessive. Yeah. And, I, you know, and, and you can see how you can get like because each of these characters are in their own personal quarantine um, as they're they're pursuing this case over years and decades, you know, and how it wrecks their lives. I mean, it's just you know fascinating. And I was just thinking about as a writer how you would um, kind of if you know someone said, oh, let's you know make this movie, make a movie about you know such and such serial killer. It's like you know people have different like leads at different times and having to convince each other. Somebody who's very convinced of it before loses hope, and you know like it's just about like the interactions of humanity, I guess, over anything. And it's just a beautiful film. Yeah, yeah. And and also just getting a sense of a, a society or a social, the, you know, the social picture in some way of, over different periods and, and the way information travels and, and how it affects all of us too. It's, yeah. I, I, yeah, it's like the ultimate boogeyman. I mean, like the ultimate <laughs> haunting. No, yeah. because because like he ba- barely registers, and you almost get him, and you you don't, and it's just so mm. so well orchestrated. It's like the best symphonic film. I mean, really. did you watch any of Mind Mind Hunter? Uh, yeah, I did. I watched season one. Um, I had some trouble getting into season two, and I should try again. Um, mm. They're obviously the children of of Zodiac, but Zodiac seems <laughs> almost like so. Like you don't want to, yeah. I know, sully it with anything else, um, uh, except for memories of murder by Bong Joon Ho, I guess, um, of which I'm waiting for the the restored version because the 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 only available version that you can get somehow on DVD or Blu-ray is like this horribly subtitled version with, you know, just looks wretched. Oh well, let's mm. she get the Criterion treatment for sure, at some point. Yeah, yeah, it's coming yeah. soon, I guess, and but that not soon nice. enough. Yeah, was uh, it supposed to be like they're restoring it? Neon is restoring it oh, to really? 4K. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. and, yeah, yeah. And and it was supposedly sometime this year, but who knows when that's going to be now? This year, because yeah. this year is always <laughs> means yeah. next year now. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. What even yeah. is this year? What even is this year? Right? What even is this year? Yeah. <laughs> There were a couple of other other movies also um, that that you mentioned when when we were kind of 
uh, emailing back and forth. Um, that one, one I was kind of curious about because it, I, I was curious how it played for you because it's, it's just about, I mean, again, like a compelling character, but also like this sort of oblivious and intensely frustrating one, but hugely charismatic. You can probably guess which one I'm going to ask about, but shampoo. Oh. oh, I was I had no idea. I was, right. I was like, where's he going? With I, know. I kind of forgot that gonna... that was on the docket. Yeah. Is yeah. this like, is this I, Ace Ventura yeah. too? Is that what he's going with? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I was, I was, yeah, I was watching an, I wanted to watch an LA film. Um, so I watched mm. Shampoo. I mean, as the city was shutting down and mm. Shampoo is Warren Beatty, um, I guess, is, is a period movie from what, 1975 doing um, 1968, mm. um, eve of the election, yeah. um, 1968, November. And it's one day in the life of Warren Beatty, who's this, you know, ambitious, um, hairdresser to the, the house, the, the rich housewives of Beverly Hills or something. And, um, he's like just running from one day in the life where he's biking and driving from one tryst to another in one situation to another. Um, and, you know, I what was struck by watching it was I had seen it before because uh, I, I love Hal Ashby and I watched it a lot when I was a teenager. I guess I liked his films a lot then. Um, have somehow not been thinking about him so much until recently. Um, and but I was struck by how what adult and how traumatic <laughs> um, 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 Warren Beatty's character is. Like he's so good at playing this guy who's like kind of a self-involved dope, yeah. like and a loser. Like he, he, you know, he fails to secure a bank loan. He's dependent on women. Like he's kind of directionless. Like it's all these women um, initiating things. Even a, a, a teenage um, Carrie Fisher in her first role uh, plays the daughter of one of the women that he's sleeping with. Like who's like, and she says to him, want to fuck or something. And, you know, like, even that, like, comes from a teenage girl. Uh, <laughs> he's just this this very passive feminine character, because I guess it's like, this is when, you know, I guess masculine um, norms in the movies are changing, right? And he's like this long-haired pretty boy who at certain points has to pretend that he's he's gay so that the, the husbands of these women wouldn't come after him or something. Um, <laughs> so that's, 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 an, that's an interesting... Thing. I mean, beyond like looking at locations I recognized in LA, um, it was like just striking to see that, you know, you wouldn't find necessarily a, a, a movie star of his stature allowing himself to be playing such a passive, um, dumb and, and kind of, you know, maybe didn't see it that way back well, then. I, I, that's sort of his specialty, yeah. I think. I think he does yeah. that in a lot of, well, he, and think about like McCabe and Mrs. Miller. He's also just right. this that's like true. doofus. And he's yeah. just, he's he's that this guy true. who you expect to be sort of a leading man and have this kind of gravitas, but he's all, he almost always is like, stumbles into things. Stumbly and fumbly and, and really relies yeah. on uh, his good looks and sort of like, uh, not even, I mean, maybe in like parallax view, he's actually, yeah. or something like that. Is he? Dick like, Tracy. Right, Dick Tracy. The later, <laughs> the later works. Yeah. Uh, see, uh, what's the, was, what's the one with where he raps? Oh, yeah. The rapping um, Bullworth, Bull, yeah, Bull yeah, of this? course. Yes. Yeah, yeah, because his persona kind of kind of takes over. I guess if you're looking back at, at um, you know, his peak, um, you're you're looking at his persona much more than his roles. And when you look at his roles, they're so different. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he or he he was often knowingly a pretty boy. Like he yeah. played characters who were pretty boys, but had like, you know, were very insecure or otherwise mm -hmm. like um, inadequate. Yeah, and I yeah. think this this movie is really like is like the peak of that and uh, shampoo, I think. Yeah. 
and it's it's just fun as hell to watch because it just you know clips along and um it's you know like i i'm not such a fan of farces um <laughs> but this is like a very again well-oiled um, version of that thing um and you know and everybody's in it so good it's got yeah julie christie yeah. goldie hahn uh, Jack Warden is the yeah. Jack Warden is great. Like his yeah. is just perfect. Yeah, um, yeah. It's one of those. Six, yeah. I, I I I I do think it's one of those successful like generation gap kind of movies where like mm-hmm. just like everyone is just speaking totally different languages and they sound yeah. even worse when they try to speak each other's languages. Oh, right. yeah, yeah. When he goes yeah. to that, when they go to the Republican Party, yeah, uh, like election night festival or whatever, and and Jack Warden's trying to kind of trying to like. I don't know, like have a conversation with yeah. Warren Beatty's it's, character. It's, it's also kind of fun to watch it um, after Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, mm. And he, he he would seem like the less dignified version of the Brad Pitt character. Mm-hmm. You know, this pretty boy who had it all easy and then you worry for him. Mm, right. um, and and then the, the you know, the, just the all those things hanging off in the distance that you know about that happened between when the movie was supposedly taking place in 1968 and when the movie was made i guess 1974 1975 uh-huh. um you know it was just the you know the, the sharon tate murders and the manson murders and stuff and and there's this this whole watching it you know there there are bits that makes you make you think that you know those are the things to come you know things that might happen to somebody like uh, you know the Goldie Hawn character or something is it's just kind of I, I haven't done much reading about this film but I'm sure it's much written about but it's very interesting to watch Shampoo after watching Once Upon a Time in, in Hollywood because there's so many echoes hmm. uh, very interesting yeah do you like uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood yeah or? actually I, I, I love it don't don't kill me I, I, <laughs> I love that film I think it's great <laughs> I know I like it I like it too I guess that's also like kind of a be all end all of LA LA films too. Yeah, I, I was weeping by the end because there was something so. Um, it was so clearly a fairy tale. It's so clearly wish fulfillment that I was moved by that impulse in Tarantino. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I I just I didn't like um, Inglorious Bastards. I I didn't go. I didn't really. I wasn't so for some of his more recent films. I mean, my favorite film of his was still Jackie Brown. Um, this comes second mm-hmm. and. It just found it incredibly moving. Yeah, I, the end. yeah, I love Jackie Brown. I also like 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 uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood too. I mean, yeah, I I totally agree with the fairy tale idea uh, to it. I mean, yeah, it's 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 just sort of touching in some way. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's a when complex movie. Yeah. I mean, I think that yeah, but yeah, it's definitely a very moving and and beautiful movie in many ways too yeah yeah I, you know speaking of um cities that are no longer that way i i was the other film i watched last night was roma hmm. fellini's roma um to be to be specific um and and it you know as we know like roma's locked down and yeah maybe that's i don't know it's 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 terrifying uh because i was just there last month um, in the last days of Rome, <laughs> watching oh, the last really? days of Rome, which I didn't realize was oh, wow. going to be the last days of Rome for a while. Um, and, and watching Roma, um, you know, it was fun to see that because I hadn't been to Rome before watching it. And, uh, you know, the last time I saw it and then now having been there, it's like watching a film with a different lens because you recognize landmarks and places you've been that seem eternal. Uh, and when they made the movie, they certainly thought we we're going to be eternal and everybody's going to keep flocking there. Although they're all like, desolate right now mm. um but there, there's like watching roma 
um, is another great quarantine film, by the way. Um, I was thinking that that was like Fellini's, um, I mean, all his films are sort of like theme park movies in some strange way, but but Roma is like his Disneyland, you know, like, because mm. it's, it's a film that's not just one story. It's got um, all these things, like many, many, it's like an excuse, uh, many set pieces um, in um, his portrait, like multifaceted view of portraying the city of, you know, that he loves, Rome. Um, and he's ev even in it himself in a brief cameo, like little bits as, as a film director making a film in, about Rome in Rome. Um, and there are all these little bits that are like, like just literal theme park rides. You know, you remember that, 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 that scene along the autostrada, the highway sequence that, you know, just, just like amazing, um, just a camera crew is like shooting all the things you see on the highway, like including like, um, you know, cattle that's fallen off some cart and, you know, ambulances and whatnot, like all these things and going on. And then there's a, there's a bit that's um, that, you know, like you're in like in the version, his version of the enchanted tiki room, <laughs> which is like the e e ecclesiastical uh, fashion show where all these nuns and monks uh, and cardinals are showing off their, their, um, their, the new, like, new fashion robes and stuff um in front of the the pope it's just just fascinating to to, to see like how that was i don't know yeah, yeah it's just, an interesting yeah. time to watch um like city symphony type yeah. films we we've been it's interesting you mentioned like la films and then roma as well we've been talking about you know this desire to revisit the city and urban life through mm -hmm. films because that's what really seems under siege right now i guess uh yeah. you know and it's we know that it's going to be very different when we emerge and and um yeah i mean from the caves this is, <laughs> yeah <laughs> this is our like, eyes partially closed <laughs> like I, those sal I, salamander, the salamanders that can't see right um, yeah, no, it's true. You want to see a picture of life, even if you can't be really living full life fully in the same way. I think on, yeah. in an earlier podcast, Sheila mentioned, Sheila O'Malley mentioned that she'd seen a commercial where people were just like going outside and like gallivanting in a field. And she was like, no, go back and don't touch each other. Like, get back. like, what are you doing? I know. It seemed like this division of like a, a world that was no, that was no longer. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's like we're all living in, I, I mean, I don't know, Victorian times. We're shocked by people touching or something. Or, right, right. or the matrix. Or the I matrix. Mean, uh, yeah. Oh God. We're on the matrix now. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't mind a matrix to play in right now, actually. I mean, of course, without the, you know, evil hegemonic. So you're saying that we're not overlord. already one? We're not. I, Get I can't board, actually Nick. tell you. I can't Get confirm on. or deny uh, that this is not the matrix. either you either you're with us or against us. Nick. <laughs> Take the pill. Take. <laughs> yeah. It's spooky. It, it is. really is. Like, yeah. It's, yeah. It's so spooky to think that. Well, that was made 20 years ago, and that that has more like truth to our lives right now than I don't know. Yeah. Than something else. Yeah. Yeah. Than a sitcom. Than high maintenance. Sure. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. With Fellini's, uh, with Fellini's Roma, I just want to mention the the scene that always, always, always sticks with me is is the like uh, archaeologists in that. Yes, the frescoes uh, the vanishing. Yeah, the, yeah, the frescoes that are vanishing. Uh, that just it, it it gives me a panic attack every time I see that scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 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 um, and it's so like these, it gets these... ruined by air, right? It it just exposure yeah, it to air. <laughs> the metro and that's 
like you think the first of that um the the opening of that section is like these people taking this this kind of underground tram ride again the theme park thing through the metro like the building the metro and then they're going through the tunnels of of rome and, and seeing the, the the underground city and it's like kind of exciting you see all these workers and dark tunnels and then suddenly they they come upon these frescoes like they are you know and and then they're, they're just like being dug up and um as soon as but you know as soon as they 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 fresh air yeah. enters into the tunnels, they vanish. It's really, really just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You can't, you can't save it. Um, geez. I don't know if, <laughs> if it's not the note to end. <laughs> we have to think, look forward. <laughs> when we get exposed to the air, are we going to vanish? Um, no, we will not. Well, eventually. Uh, well, we've, uh, we've covered a lot of, a lot of, a lot of ground, a lot of movies. Um, so, so you're adapting uh, the idiot right now and, Yes. That's, that's I, I'm. What is that process like? Because I've read the book and I love the book. Um, <laughs> I, I love. I I love that it's a difficult book to adapt. It's yeah. it's it's a. I mean, because otherwise there would be no challenge, and there shouldn't be a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like you should be reading the book and just that alone. I mean, so now my my thing is to make those two things, uh, you know, be its own thing, but um but to be very faithful to the spirit of her book. Um, you know, as you know, there's, 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 you just have to invent a lot of dialogue um, because there isn't so much, mm. you know, dramatization of scenes and in, in, in the book, but it's, um, it's a story of a very strange romance. I, I, I always say it's like um, um, the teenage phantom thread. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, if you think about it, it's not inaccurate, you uh-huh. know, like this, uh, a girl who's, well, you know, this, this is, is, it's based on Elif Batuman's first year at Harvard and she kind of, and it's 1995 and it's the dawn of the internet. So this is her not knowing what email is and inadvertently getting sucked into this email obsession, love romance slash thing um, <laughs> with, with this, this older student, this boy named Ivan from, from Hungary, who's also in her Russian class. And she's kind of obsessed with him. It's a bit like Vertigo too, where she's obsessed with him and she doesn't know that she's obsessed with him and it kind of wrecks her life. And she spends the year kind of, you know, tracking him and, and stalking him and and trying to get him to be with her, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, this is, I'm really excited. I'm really excited to see this. Um, yeah, I'm excited to to um, to get it made. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I guess thank you, <laughs> thank you for hanging out with us. It was uh, it's been really um, been really a lot of fun. Yeah, sorry for yammering so much. I guess I haven't been talking to many people <laughs> for a while. That is That's exactly what what great. We appreciate for. it. That's what yeah. this is for. That's this, yeah. this is for. Yeah, it was fun. It was, okay. it was, it was, I highly recommend um, doing this to anyone who wants to get on the show. Oh, yay! <laughs> and ad. I mean, no, whatever. No, just like just it's like it's a really fun time to be talking to people across the country. Um, all of us in our own little isolation tanks and. And just be talking as if we we're all sitting and having breakfast together is just a, a unique experience in this time. Yeah. So I highly recommend it. Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> we will, <laughs> we'll, we'll take that and run with, run, run with that. Um, okay. Well, well, thank you. Okay. Thank you. And thank you all our listeners and, and Clint and Devika. And uh, well, well, let's do it again sometime then. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and stay, stay, stay well in New York. Yes. It sounds scary. Yes. Yes. You, you we'll, do we'll as well. We'll do it again, but you know, I have to check my schedule. So um, I'll get back <laughs> to you on now. Uh, I have right. a packed 
week. You'll be super, super locked down. Yeah. Yeah, I'll just see when I'm, you know, I'll let you know when I'm home. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, signing off. Bye, everyone, and stay safe. All right. Bye. All right. Thank you. You've been listening to the Film Comet Podcast with music by Greg Einge. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. Film Comment is a bi-monthly magazine published by Film at Lincoln Center. Since 1962, Film Comment has featured in-depth features, critical analysis, and feature coverage of mainstream, art house, and avant-garde filmmaking from around the world. Visit us online at filmcomment.com to purchase a print or digital subscription to Film Comment. Or check out our app, available on Android, iOS, or Kindle. Pick up your copy of the new issue of Film Comment, featuring an extensive interview with Kelly Reichardt, along with an essay on her latest, First Cow. Also, an interview with the directors of the fiery genre mashup Baccarat, Michael Kresge on The Perseverance of Cinema, Amy Taubin on Sundance Highlights, and Pietro Marcello on the inspiration behind his Martin Eden. Support independent, nonprofit film journalism today at filmcomment.com.